0: This is part three in the uh, seven visitations of Yahshua, and I'll tell you folks, I've kind of struggled a little bit, trying to wonder how do I structure this third visitation, because it was massive and it was huge. So I've been praying about this for a few days, and the Holy Spirit said, Son, just call this one the Creator, the Creator. And uh, oh my gosh. This is what I I think I'd shared uh, in maybe previous podcasts. Does anybody have an inkling of what it's like to be caught up to Genesis one one, Genesis one two, and Genesis one three? Stop. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh! Let me share this with you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this with. Um, For all of you who are intercessors out there and uh, and and prayer warriors, and this is mainly who this podcast is focused to, is intercessors and prayer warriors because you're the only kind of people that are ever going to reach out and take a hold of these things. You're the only ones that are ever going to reach out and grab a hold and wonder. Now, when I was when I was younger, just prior to this visitation, okay, I used to pray things like, um, "Heavenly Father." I want to be the very tip of the sword that pierces the heart of darkness, you know, or Heavenly Father. You know, I want to go after the big guys. I want to go after the the principalities, the powers and all this kind of stuff. And, And you're fired up in the spirit. You know, you've got all the boldness of heaven just bursting within you but you're still pretty young and you don't know too much yet. You don't really understand what you're asking for. And part of this testimony has to do with piercing the heart of darkness. And it's uh, it, it, it's not a real fun time, folks. This is a massive, huge battle that you would fight. It, it, oh, jeez. I would say this, youngsters be kind of careful and circumspect in, in what you're asking because uh, you're probably going to get it. And it's not that this was wrong to ask for. It wasn't wrong to say. It's just that there is no way you can possibly prepare for the events that are going to take place within you in the spirit when you pray things like these. Okay? So, you know, like, like any young intercessor, right? And I told you previously, I, I believe in, uh, in, in in part two, that, uh, that I was with my friend Maureen in uh, in downtown Seattle, and we used to pray every day at lunch. We'd skip lunch, we'd fast, and, and we'd go find a church and we'd pray. And, uh, and so this one day, you know, it's like I had this prayer, just super intense, you know, just shoot right out of my spirit. I ask you for a supernova mega connection with the Lord God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. And folks, I'm going to tell you that's exactly what I got. That is exactly what I got. But these things take place over many, many, many years. It's not like it's not like you're going to be there in, in that place uh, all, all, all the time. And now I have to come back and I got to explain what I'm talking about here. I hope I haven't lost anybody yet. But uh, okay, here we go. And this began in the uh, in the spring of 1988, and I, I can't go into all the details. It, it would take me it would take me weeks to, to to share with you every every little detail of what took place during this. But let me get back to Genesis. All right, there came a point, the beginning point in this visitation, where uh, the church that I was going to was. Having uh, they were being split, and uh, and this church was just on the verge of, of of really of its destruction. So at this particular time, I had been uh, visiting my mother in Spokane, and uh, and I, I always stayed down in uh, down on the, in the basement, and she had a nice little bedroom down there, so and a big huge sliding glass door that overlooks Spokane Valley. So uh, I had been caught up somewhat in the spirit. And uh, like I say, I got a little cocky. And uh, and, and I stood out in, in front of this sliding glass door. And uh, a- anyway, it's like I had the faith to do it, so I did it. And I just kind of pointed my finger at heaven and I, and I said, Satan, I cast you down in the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And no kidding, folks, about a split second later, I'm not kidding you. I saw a single bolt of lightning split the midnight sky, because it was about midnight at this point. Split the sky, and I saw it. And it couldn't have been more than a second or two afterwards that something came down on me that scared the living crap out of me. Not, I, oh God. It was like, it was like this. Oh, man, it was like this bird of prey. It was a black thing, man, came down upon me. And all of a sudden, it began sucking all the Word out of me. It's like I watched the Bible. It's like I had a vision of the Bible within me. And and all the pages were just being sucked out and sucked out and sucked out until it finally came down to, like, the heart of the Word, right, the heart of the Bible, which at this particular point was Psalm 119. And the only word that I could grab a hold of and keep a hold of was mercy. Was mercy. Was mercy. His mercies are new every morning. And that was it. Everything else was gone at that point. All right. So at that point, when this, uh, (laughs) whatever this thing was, came upon me and it had sucked out all the word, I was left in darkness. That's what happens when you have no word, man. You are left in darkness. And it's terrifying, absolutely terrifying. So over the course of the next couple of hours, right, I I, I had run upstairs to to, to my mom because my little sister was there, too. You got to pray for me. You got to pray for me. I can't explain what's going on. Please pray for me, right? So, you know, anyway, so they prayed for me. And, and I go back downstairs and uh, and, and I'm, I'm just kind of sitting there and, and the darkness is still there. But, you know, much of the terror had, had lifted, right? I said much of it, not all of it, but much of it had after my, my mom and my sisters had prayed for me. So anyway, so I just, I, don't, I, I hope you understand what I'm trying to share here. I didn't know what else to do. Did not know what else to do. So within me, in my imagination, I I tried to create, all right, and this is where you're reduced to. I tried to create just a little pinprick, because it's all I could manage at that point a little pinprick of light, a little pinprick just to imagine it, you know. So I did. And I was able to hold on to that. And so then it was like, and, and I'm saying these things take place in your inner man, these things take place in the spirit. So with my hands, I grabbed a hold of this little pinprick of light, and I began to stretch it out left and right north and south. You know what I mean? In all directions, I began to, to spread forth this, this light. I had to have it. Right, and so I stretched it out, and I stretched it out, and I stretched it out, and I spoke to it. Right, I spoke to the light, and I said, "You go forever and don't stop. You run your race, man. You spread throughout the whole universe, and don't you ever stop." Right, you know, north, south, east, and west. You know, in all directions. Right, so I just had to do that, and I did. Okay, so a little while later. Okay, so uh, uh, let me let me let me add this part too. After this had happened, when this thing had come upon me, I don't think I got more than 15 to 45 minutes of sleep a night for the next few weeks. And again, I don't know if any of you have ever been through kind of like a divine sleep deprivation. You know, he who watches over Israel, neither slumbers nor sleeps, right? You get caught up into that and you're not going to slumber and you're not going to sleep much either. And there's a reason why, if you ever enter into this place, why God does lift sleep from you for a while. It has to do with breaking down your emotional defenses. It had, because when you when you are lacking in sleep, it's like your emotions begin to rise up. Uh, it, uh, oh, sheesh! Uh, not, not not necessarily negative emotions. It's just that you don't have. If you're a man, and most men in America were taught that that men don't cry, right? That only sissies cry. That only little babies cry. B.S. You've got to. You have to. You'll blow up inside if you can't start leaking out a whole bunch of tears. You know, and it's kind of like when you first begin to, you know, to leak out the tears. I'm just going to give you this picture. And it's like a little Dutch boy with his finger in the dike, right? He pulls his finger out and he gets a couple of trickles, right? The water begins to trickle out. But before long, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, my friends, you have tapped into a fountain within you, a deep fountain within you coming up from out of your depths. All right. And it is like the passion of the creator is weeping through you. Can you begin to imagine this? Now, in the beginning, I was saying, this is Genesis 1, Genesis 1, 2, Genesis 1, 3. All right, when all of the light had been pulled out of me, here we are, man. Genesis 1, 2, you know, oh, God, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, okay, darkness, and the Spirit of God brooded over <laughs> the places, right? Oh, my gosh. Um, I'll tell you, I was so grateful at this point that I had a guitar and that I knew how to sing and and I knew how to play and I knew how to worship. I'm so grateful that God taught me these things because for the next few weeks, it's all I could do in the evenings to maintain my sanity was to grab my guitar and to worship. And I had one particular song that I sang over and over and over and over. And it was called The Lord of the Dance. All right. And I sang it in tongues and I sang it in English. And and like I say, this this visitation. If I had anything to call it again, it, it would have to do with the agony and the ecstasy there were points in this where I was, like, suspended between heaven and hell. Uh, oh, my gosh, I'd be singing, and I could see the souls in hell. I could see the souls in hell, right? And and many of them, it, it was bizarre. They wanted to repent, but they couldn't. They were stuck, right? And it's like I could hear the angels in heaven, right? Uh, and it's like I could hear the angels in heaven, and I could hear the lost souls in hell, and every time I was singing the Lord of the Dance, right, uh, it, it's like something in one of you would want to say instead of dance, it was damned, you know, the Lord of the Damned. And I'm going, no, I don't want those words coming out of my mouth, right? So the Lord of the Dance, right? And I'd pull back and I'd say, I worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, him and him alone, him and him alone, right? I'm telling you, folks, it's a, it's a powerhouse battle. And so much of what you're doing is just trying to survive the night, right? Uh, You know, it's like you feel like you're in way over your head and there just isn't a whole lot of people out there that can help you at this point because these things are taking place in the, you know, in the midnight hours, right? And there's just not too many people awake. And I was the kind of guy that didn't want to call my friend at 1 o'clock in the morning and say, pray for me, pray for me. I just didn't do that kind of stuff. I wish I had. Oh, I wish I had, but I didn't. And there were times when I felt the angels in heaven, you know, almost screaming at me, cry out with all your heart, cry out with all your heart, cry out with all your heart, right? And at this point, I I was still, I was kind of ignorant. And I thought, no, no, I I can't. Yahshua didn't do that. You know, I'm not going to do it either. I'm going to do it just like he did, right? I'm just going to take it, right? And and so I just kind of set myself to endure these things that, all I wish I'd have cried out at this time but I didn't. and you know, and was, I had too much pride, I guess, to do that. I have a big voice and uh, and when I want to, I can be heard for blocks. you know I can be heard for city blocks. It's not difficult. You know I got to digress a little bit here. and uh, at this particular point, when I had my I had gone back to Seattle with my with my little sister. The church was blowing up. It was being split. It, it was terrible. The elders went one way, and the pastor and his group went the other way, right? And uh, and you didn't know which way to go. All you could do is keep your eyes focused on God because you just didn't know who was telling the truth and who wasn't. Well, as I was being caught up, like I was saying, there were times I'd be caught up to heaven, and there were times it's like I was suspended between heaven and hell. Well, in the times... And like I say, when I was singing, it was coming from so deep. I, I I didn't I didn't know places within us could could exist that were that deep. All right, and that that's why I say it's like a huge fountain that had been uh, opened up in my inner man. And if you've ever seen what happens when a volcano goes off, you know I lived in Seattle when Mount St. Helens blew up. Okay. And uh, what happens is is that you get a whole lot of dirt and rock and mud and muck that comes blowing out of that fountain first. It has to clear the pipe it has to clear the channel out, right? Well, this is happening in you too, right? You're getting a whole lot of garbage that's being blown out of you all at once, right? And again, you've got to endure until you hit the clean water, until you hit the fresh water. So there were times, there were times, Many, many times, and these things took place for uh, oftentimes for hours. Where when I was caught way up into heaven, like into the heart of the Creator, into the bosom of God, I would, I was beholding the creation. I was beholding the creation, and 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 it's like my heart was was breaking. It was just, it it, it, it was obliterated as I saw and I beheld. All the stuff that we had done, all the stuff that we had done to the creation, all the things we have done, the horrific, terrible, brutal treatment that we have that that we have done to the animals, that we have done to the creation, that we have done to the earth, but specifically to the animals. I tell you truly, people, the way mankind treats animals is all it breaks the heart of the creator. It breaks his heart the way we treat his creatures. He created them for his pleasure and would, oh man, that we could enter into his pleasure at the creation instead of slaughtering everything on four legs because somewhere down the line, mankind thought he was given the right to kill anything that moves. Right? It is it is so disgusting in heaven. And you're going to hear this when you get caught up in these places. You're going to know this. You shall not harm nor destroy in all my holy mountain. You shall not harm nor destroy. And you begin to come into a whole different understanding on the commandment, thou shalt not kill, right? You're going to begin to understand it as this, you shall not shed innocent blood. You shall not shed innocent blood. And when the commandments, the commandments of God extend beyond the realm of mankind, okay? He's not just talking about killing another man. He's talking about shedding innocent blood. Blood and the blood of the animals has drenched the earth, has soaked the earth not only the blood of humans but the blood of the animals too. The wholesale slaughter of these creatures is just like I say, it is sickening. It is sickening to the heart of God, it is sickening to the Creator, it is sickening to the angels, it is sickening to the sun. It's sickening what we do to the animals on this planet. All right, and when you are experiencing this through the heart of the maker of heaven and earth, your heart, you'll never be the same. You will never, ever, ever be the same after that. I don't care how hard you fall, and I did. I don't care how hard you fall. Your heart's not going to change towards the creation after this. You've seen it, you've felt it, you've experienced it, and you know that you have been in the heart of God. You know it. Now this part, being caught up into Papa's heart, all right, this, this particular part of this experience, folks, lasted night after night after night after night. This went on for week after week. It was a difficult thing to endure because you are crying so hard hard you are weeping so hard you feel like you're going to convulse inside you just feel like you're convulsing right as this fountain is exploding within you but it is a fountain of tears it's a fountain of tears so i'm going to skip ahead towards the tail end of this visitation all right and like i say this was this was a couple of weeks a few weeks after it had begun, all right. So I'm on my knees in my living room, and I'm having a vision, and I see like uh, Ezekiel 37. You know the whole scene there with uh, with Israel and the dead dry bones, okay. And it, it's not like I'm I'm standing in Ezekiel or anything like that. That that's that's not. I'm just trying to show you this was kind of the scene, like the Valley of uh, of Decision. And as I'm looking out over this, right. My, my my hands are stretched out, and I feel like, and, and at the time, this was the expression that kept coming to my mind, like the four winds of time and eternity, and they were caving in on planet Earth. They were caving in, folks, and this word came to me that I did not understand, and it took me a few years before I understood this, but the word came to me, and it said, eternal life is at stake. I didn't understand. I'm going, what? How can this be? But the Holy Spirit said, eternal life is at stake. And I went, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm crying out, please, oh God, a little more time. Please, a little more time, a little more time, a little more time. Please, Father. Please, Father. Please. So, just after this, just after this, and at, I don't know how long it was—twenty minutes, half hour, whatever—it's a choice was put before me. With and, it, and each came each choice came with like like a vision and, and, and an understanding, right? And the choice was this: it was very simple. I was given the choice of Antichrist or Messiah. And when the choice of Antichrist came up, it's like there was a devil himself painting the most exquisite picture of every pleasure under the sun. Wealth, riches, partying, you name it, man. You just name it, every pleasure under the sun. And, of course, it made it look like it was awesome. Okay? And then you have the vision that comes up with the word Messiah, and you know it's going to be hard. It's going to be suffering. It's going to be struggling. It's going to be tribulation. It's going to be very, very difficult. You choose. Right? Well, you know, I, 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 I chose Messiah, <laughs> of course, you know. But as soon as I did that, all right, now, there was all all throughout this, uh, this, this visit where I was weeping, I felt like a it was like the, uh, like the tip of a thorn was, 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 was pushing at my heart. I, I could feel it the whole time. It was like, like a little thorn was in there. Okay, When I made this choice, that thorn, which was more than a thorn, it rose up out of my solar plexus and I physically felt it. And it was a shard. Of darkness, it. it, I mean, when it was coming out, it looked to me like about maybe twelve inches to eighteen inches, and this thing just rose right up out of my out of my solar plexus, and it, you know, it was like I say, like like a like a busted shard of glass, but it was pure darkness, right? And this thing rose up out of my solar plexus and just went away, okay. So I'm just kind of left a little stunned and astonished when I see this, and uh, and I didn't I I, I I didn't I didn't understand, didn't know what this was, what was this, you know? But uh, uh, okay, so I'm you gonna know, you know, I'm gonna begin to, to to cut this one down a little bit here. I tell you what, folks, after that, after that, I took the hardest fall of my life, the hardest fall I've ever had. And it was terrible. It was as though I was walking as a dead man for three and a half years. Okay, and at the end of that three and a half years comes the fourth great visitation of Yahshua the Messiah. And I can hardly wait to share this one with you. But for now, I'm going to leave it at this. And like I say, there is so much. Much that takes place in these visitations, that you do not have the time or the space to record everything. I, I shared this whole visitation with my wife before we were married, and uh, and I think I talked straight for almost eighteen hours, and I did not get through it. Right, I did not get through it even after speaking straight for nearly eight. Hours. That's how many things that happen. That I wish I could share all of them here, but but I but I can't. So uh, anyway, this is Michael. This has been the Blood Walk, and uh, I hope I hope you begin to understand where these things are leading to. Okay, and I'll talk to you again in a couple of days. And this is Michael. This has been the Blood Walk, and see you later, folks.